Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Tonight, why don't we turn to the book of Philippians? I've kind of been studying there, and I believe I come up with something from the Holy Ghost that will help us tonight. Don't you love the Lord? Don't you love the Word of God? Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1, then I think we might take a quick look at the book of Revelations, the first chapter, just for a moment, then we're going to flip right over into Hebrews chapter 12. Philippians chapter 1, let's read here just a moment. Chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine. For you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now notice verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he, everybody say he, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I like it in the Amplified. Listen to the Amplified. I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up until the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Now, understand something about God and his dealing with you as an individual. I, I don't know, a lot of people can say that they were searching for God, but most, pe most people in their lives and in their life experience weren't really, quote, searching for God. God found them. They didn't find God. I mean, most people were just going about, uh, you know, in life and, and doing their own thing and, and following their own will and, you know, whatever uh, level of goodness or badness that was. Well, we really don't care about that because you're born again now. Amen. But during your, your, your life experience, the gospel came and you obeyed it. And you made a decision to become saved, born again. You gave your, 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 your heart, your spirit man became enlightened. You became a new creature, the Bible says, a new creature in Christ. Now, in doing so, that literally makes you a very unique person on this planet. In reality, if you'll study the Word of God, you are a true alien to this planet now. I remember I was preaching a revival in San Diego, California, and there had been a, there had been a minister who, who was right before me. There's a church in San Diego that has over 10,000 members that believes that the human family are descendants from aliens. So they built this huge church. I mean, you ought to see it. It's this big, beautiful church out in San Diego, and they built a 10,000-foot runway, and supposedly someday this huge flying saucer is going to come land and take them all away. <laughs> well, there was a big, a big article in the paper in San Diego about it. And so uh, uh, right before I had come, about two or three months before I had come, another minister had come there, and the title of their message was, We Are Aliens. And so it was a really difficult sell, amen, so to speak. But in reality, the Bible says we are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says we are ambassadors. And what ambassadors are are representatives of another kingdom. Now, we're not alien when it comes to geographical location on the planet, but when it comes to the spirit realm, we are aliens to this world system. 
And because we are aliens to this world system, what makes us unique as individuals after we're born again is we are born again into, now this is really neat, we are born again into a very specific plan for us as individuals. Let me say that again. We are born again into a very specific plan for us as individuals. I believe that plan is available for every person on the earth. I believe God has a preordained plan for every person that the day they get born again, that is the day that they realize God has raised up or has come up with a plan for their life and the day they get born again is the day it begins. That's the day it begins. Now notice what Paul says. Paul says, I like it, I like it in both, both translations. Being confident of this very thing. Notice first of all, he which hath begun a good work. So you didn't begin it, he did. I like to say it like this. He didn't initiate it. I mean, uh, you didn't initiate it, he initiated it. And I love what he calls it. He calls it a, a what? A, a what? See, there's a lot of people, man, I tell you, when I got saved, when I got filled with, that's when all my problems started. I mean, I've had problem after problem, situation after situation, circumstance after No, you had all that before you get saved, got saved. You just thought that was life. Now you know it's a problem. Amen. Now you know that's a problem. So God has, 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 has raised you up to perform in you or to complete in you a good work. It could be all different facets to that. Personal facets when it comes to your relationships, your friends, your husband, your wife, your family, your children, uh, business endeavors, your job, your business, ministry endeavors, whatever God has for you, this detailed purpose for your life. Now listen to this. This will help you so much. This detailed purpose for your life gives you great value to God. God recognizes how very valuable you are. You say, come on, pastor. I mean, you know, you're the pastor of the church, and, and we got all these other guys that come in, and, and we have people that we got Brother Egan Falk coming in, and he preaches these great crusades in Africa, and we got other missionaries that come, and, and certainly I don't, you know, I just work back at the, at the visitor center. I just, you know, I just, I just go to the street outreach every once in a while. I mean, I couldn't have, my value couldn't be greater than yours or greater than somebody else's doing some great work. To God, you're as valuable to anybody else in the kingdom of God. You are very valuable and God wants you to know that whatever his plan is for you, you need to find out what it is and you need to enter into it because within that value or that purpose, God brings his glory forth in our lives. People suffer with such a poor self-image and people in the body of Christ that suffer with a poor self-image many times do it because of a poor God image. Well, you know, God gave me this disease. God, you know, I've prayed and prayed that, that I'd be blessed financially and, and that God, but you know, I always, I'm so poor, I'm so broke, I can't hardly pay attention, can't hardly pay my bills, amen? I remember I heard one preacher say that the, the, the bill collectors used to call him so much, they'd call him up and say, when are you going to pay this bill? When are you going to pay this bill? When are you going to pay this bill? So finally he started telling them this, here's what I'm going to do. They'd call him up and say, when are you going to pay the bill? He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this bill that you want me to pay and stack it up with all my other bills. And I'm going to shuffle them around. And I'm going to pull one out and I'm going to pay it. And if you call me one more time, I'm going to take you out of the shuffle. <laughs> now, it's not the will of God that you be broke. It's not the will of God that you be poor. It's not the will of God that you be depressed. I was amazed tonight. How many saw that thing about, about uh, 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 oh, Lord, Joel Osteen? 
on TV. This, this, somebody put a website up. And on, well, the, the, the guy I saw an interview with a guy on TV today, on the news. You know what his big complaint was? Prosperity. I don't like him preaching that prosperity. Well, what are you going to preach, a poverty gospel? God's going to make you poor? God's going to make you broke? That's ridiculous. No, God wants to. And showed a, showed a picture of Joel up there saying, and we're believing God for raises and bonuses and inheritance and increases in business and jobs and all. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? That's part of God blessing his people. That's part of the expansion of the kingdom. And that's part of God saying to you as an individual, i got a plan for you. You're valuable to me. I want to increase you when it comes to your relationships. I want to increase you when it comes to your character. I want to increase you when it comes to your health and your strength and your vitality. And I want to increase you financially so that everybody I know in the midst of everything that's going wrong in the world, financially, my people are blessed. I don't know how we got off on that, but it was good anyway, isn't it? <laughs> now, notice this. Being confident of this very thing, he which, now notice, who began it? Who began it? He began it. A good work in you will perform it. Now, it says he began it and he'll perform it. Let me try it again. He began it, he'll perform it. Here's where we get in trouble. He begins it, we perform it. That's okay, God. I'll take over here. Amen. That's just crazy to think that if God has a divine plan. Now, a divine plan needs what? Supernatural ability. Supernatural power. Revelation from the Word of God. It needs the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It needs for you to be empowered. All these things we've been talking about spiritually. Hearing from God in your human spirit. Knowing how to respond to God. Your heart being right. Your character. All these gifts of the Holy Ghost. The power of God. Power that's in the name of Jesus. If we're going to fulfill that which God begins in our life, what in the world makes us think that if He starts it, there's any way whatsoever we as human beings can finish it? All we can do is go along for the ride and enjoy. That'd be like me getting on an airplane, flying over to Honolulu, Hawaii, and halfway through it, going up in the cockpit and says, hey, man, y'all got it up I'll take over. I'll fly out of Hawaii. Y'all can go sit back in the back and watch the movie if you want to. Go back and play one of the video games. I'll take over from here. How many would like that if you were on that plane? And in an amazing, you get up in this faith thing and this revelation thing and this anointing thing and this prosperity thing and this Holy Ghost thing and you get up in the middle of it and everything's flying along real good and Jesus is right in the cockpit of your life and you go up in the cockpit and say, that's okay, you can go take a break, I'll take over now. You didn't even know how you got off the ground in the first place. Now go to Revelation real quick. I want to show you something, then we'll go straight over to Hebrews chapter 12. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Behold, everybody say, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now notice verse 8. In my letter, in my Bible, it's red letters. This is Jesus speaking. I am, everybody say, I am. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. See, somebody's going to get a revelation in here tonight. It's really going to help you. I am the Alpha and Omega, 
the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Now, quick, go to, go to Hebrews 12, real quick. Should be just a few pages back. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I sp I've spent all my time over the years preaching on that. But I want to get down to verse 2 now. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Kind of sounds like he which began a good work. Kind of sounds like I'm the, how many know what the alpha and omega connotation is? That's, that's, the, that's the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. I'm the A and I'm the Z. I'm the beginning, I'm the end, and I'm everything in the middle. Now, our problem many times gets, is this. We get our eyes off of the object of our faith, and we get our eyes on the result of our faith. When you get your eyes off of the object of your faith and get your eyes on the result of your faith, you always get in trouble. The result of your faith is that plan God has for you. The result of your faith is that healing in your body. That result of your faith is that breakthrough in your ministry. The result of your faith is that breakthrough in your business. The result of your faith is that healing in your relationship. The result of your faith is that healing in your body. That result of your faith is the blessing in your finances. The object of your faith is Jesus. You will never obtain the result of your faith unless you keep yourself focused on the object of your faith because if you get focused on the result of your faith, you will try to work to make it happen. Have you ever answered your own prayer? <laughs> You're looking at me real holy right now. Come on, church. Let me say it like this. Have you ever answered your own prayer and gave God the glory? Every one of us is guilty of that. Every one of us. That's why it says in Romans chapter 3 verse 7, don't do that. If my lie which pertains to the glory of God, or which my, if my lie which has resulted in the glory of God, if it is, if, if it is I'd have to go back and, and read it. It basically says this. If I tell a lie and God gets the glory out of my lie, why am I still yet counted as a sinner? How come there's still a, 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 a result or a sin problem because of that? Listen, God doesn't need you to answer your own prayers. He doesn't need you to manipulate this and to do this and to do this and to do that and to try to get this over here and, you know, all this kind of stuff going. Listen, you wear yourself out. God doesn't need glory like that. God needs you to stay focused on him. Just stay, just like when Peter, he gets out of the boat and as long as he stayed focused on Jesus... He was walking on water. Have you ever read that? But then he says this. He says, and when he saw, everybody say saw, that's a sense. When he saw the wind boisterous and the waves beginning to sink, he cried out. Well, let me ask you a question. Was it the wind and the waves that caused him to sink? No, because you can no longer, no, no, uh, no more walk across a windy wave-ridden sea than you can across your swimming pool. So everybody blazed. I heard a guy preach one time on the wind and the waves. Well, it wasn't the wind and the waves. You can't walk across the swim. You can't walk on water. Let me try that again. Maybe somebody. You can't walk on water unless 
It's in the will of God for your life to walk on water. Then the only way you can do it is with your eyes fixed on him. Now, it may not be water walking for you. It may be a successful business. It may be a healed marriage. It may be a breakthrough in a ministry. No, it could be anything. But if you think that you're going to be able to, quote, walk on the water in whatever it is God is wanting you to do supernaturally in life, you're mistaken unless you keep your eyes on the one that initiated it. You say, well, didn't Peter say, can I come out of the boat? He did, but he would have never said it unless Jesus would have walked up to it. You know who really initiated all that? Jesus did. He comes walking on the water. He comes walking on the water. And Peter says, that's cool. I'm going to do that. Can I walk on the water too? Sure. Come on out is what he said. So he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. But as soon as he tries to start doing it himself... <laughs> The same thing happens to us. That's where much, much of our frustration comes. Let me just say this. This will help you. I have found over the years, to, to my own amusement, that the greatest fruit of the Spirit that you can develop in your life, if you're going to see the true will of God manifest in your life, is patience. Because as long as you've got a clock and a calendar, you've got two enemies. Because a clock and a calendar will challenge you. It'll mock you. It'll say to you, when? 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 Ain't nothing happening. There's nothing going on. And the devil has a great ability to get on your shoulders and use these two words, or this, or this phrase. Look and see. Look and see. You th who do you think? Who do you think you're believing God? Come on. Now, first of all, first of all, think about this. If he's the author, if he's the one who has begun a good work in us, if he is the alpha, are you with me? If he is, do you think he's going to put something in your heart? We've been studying the heart in the past two weeks. You think he's going to drop something into your recreated human spirit that's going to make any kind of sense to you as a human being? Or is going to present itself or, is it, or, or, will it, or do you think it will present itself in such a way that you will be able to view it that there's any possibility you may be able to pull it off? It gets quiet in here now, doesn't it? You say, what do you mean? God will come to you and he will say, here it is. And you'll go, <laughs> that ain't me. You've made them as everybody in the Bible's ever done it. Mary did it. How shall this be? Sin I know not. Troubled at the same. Cast in her mind. What manner of salutation? Gideon. That's not, you must be talking about somebody else's family. All through the word of God, people do that. God will bring something to you. Totally impossible for you. Something that you think, there's no way I can do that. And the moment that thought hits your mind, there's no way I can do that, a flag ought to go up in your spirit. And you ought to say, now wait a minute. If there's no way I can do it, that must mean God has to do it. Therefore, it must be that the alpha, the author, is trying to author something in my life, oh man, I remember, 17 years old, man, I tell you, I was in trouble. I was in trouble like you wouldn't believe. I, I ain't even going to tell you the trouble I was in, but I was in trouble. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. I was in major trouble. And so they took me to, to Brother and Sister Goodwin's house, 
They were our pastors at the time. And, you know, I, I, I thought for sure that's where God was going to kill me. And I did. I was scared. I mean, I was scared of those people. I thought God's going to kill me right then and there. That's it. That's it for, it for my life. And, and then i never forget kneeling in front of Mama, not, not a good one's chair, and her laying hands on me. And prophet, I'll never forget some of the words. I don't remember the total intent, but I remember her saying this. You'll teach the word. You'll go to the nations. You'll hear the voices of people you've never heard. And I'm listening and I'm going, yeah, right. I'm 17 years old. I'm 17 years old. She's prophesying this. And I'm thinking, that is so stupid. There is no possible Way on the odds are one in 750 trillion that this will ever happen. I'm not kidding you. There's no way. No, you know what was happening? The author was writing on my spirit, and those words for almost 10 or 11 years haunted me. You say, why? When God authors something and you don't obey it, it will haunt you. It will dog your steps everywhere you go. Every time you turn on the radio, someone will preach about it. Every time you turn on the TV, somebody will preach about it. Every time you get in a conversation, somebody will mention it. All kinds of things will happen in your life. There's no way you, be, you will be able to escape it. It will be authored once he puts the pen into your spirit and authors something that's when it begins. And if you fight against it, my 10, 11, 12 years of being backslid and away from God were the most miserable years of my life. Not because what I was involved in was not, quote, fun according to the world. No, it was because what I was involved in was not what God said you're supposed to be. And that's why we get a lot of miserable Christians. God comes in author something in their spirit. I want you to go to Africa and be a missionary. I want you to write a book. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And you go. The odds of that are one in seven trillion. And God says, that's why I authored it. Because when it happens, everyone will know that it's not you that did it. It's got to be God. Therefore, there will be what? The glory of God connected to it. Now, read it a little further. Let's look at it just a little bit. How's my time? Oh, man, I got 10 minutes. Glory to God. <laughs> looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Now, look in between. Author, finisher. See that and right there? A-N-D. See that? You kind of put your, my little finger fits right there. Author, finisher. There's your life. You got that? Did you get that? Author, finisher, right there. See that A and, A and There's your life right there. He's the author and finisher, but notice what it says, of our faith. So it doesn't start happening until you start operating in faith. Until you start stepping out. Until you start doing it. I remember I came back to the Lord, and, and, and uh, an, old, an old prophet of God, F.E. Ward, came Start prophesying all this stuff over me about ministry. I'm like, I don't man, I'm pre- I don't go preach, do all that kind of stuff. I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, felt like I wasn't worthy or whatever you want to say. But then next thing I know, next thing I know, I didn't even want. He calls me up and says, hey, guess what? I got a meeting for you. 
This was in, I came back to the Lord in March. This was in April. <laughs> I had a lot of time to prepare, didn't I? Got right with God in March, March the 7th. And this was about the middle of April. It's about April the, I think it was like April the 13th or 14th. Over in Texas City, Texas, lively stone. Got a meeting for you. I'm like, a what? What's a meeting? I want you to go preach. You want me to what? about the way I said it. You want me to what? Yeah, there's a pastor over there. I called him and told him who you were and told him a little bit about your testimony. Just go over there and share what the Lord's done for you. I said, say what? I started fasting. I started praying. I started reading every book I could read. I started freaking out. I hadn't been to Bible school. I'd been away from God for about 12 years. I didn't, I was like, what am I going to do? I mean, it freaked me out. I mean, and I was scared when I went over there. And I know what scared is. I used to be a rodeo. I used to be a bull rider. I remember the fear that used to come on me when I'd walk in those rodeo arenas. And I wouldn't. I weighed about 130 pounds soaking wet. You'd see them big old Brahma bulls. Back then, in those days, it was called wild Brahma bulls. And I remember, man, you'd be so scared. Your heart would be pounding. You couldn't even, you wouldn't even have any spit in your mouth. You couldn't even spit. You'd be so scared. Well, that wasn't nothing compared to going down here. I'd rather, I'd rather have to ride bulls for a month. And you know, you study and you write two notebooks worth of notes and you get up and you say what's in those two notebooks and you look up and five minutes has gone by. <laughs> Amen. And you're like, oh my God. And then people are looking at you and saying this and saying that and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm not cut out for this. And I found out later that my problem was is that God had authored it, and so I pretty much figured, okay, if the door's open, I'll step in and do it. So I just tried to step in in my own ability. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't work. That's not going to happen. That's not going to work. So author, everybody say author, and finisher of our faith. Now, if you don't have any faith working, God doesn't have anything to finish. And I said this, I don't know if it was su Sunday night. It may have been Sunday night, but it's, it sparked something in me, and I'm going to teach some stuff on it. What a waste of our faith. What a total waste of the faith that God gives us to only use it to recover ourselves from the problems of life. Now, let me say that again. You say, now, what do you mean by that? What a waste of your faith it is to only use it when you're sick, to only use it when you need to pay a bill, to only use it when you have a toe ache. What a waste when God gave it to you to do what? To enter into, quote, the promised land. As the promised land for the Israelites was Israel itself, literally. The promised land for us is not heaven. The promised land for us is all the promises that God has given us through redemption. The joy, the peace, the righteousness, the health, the prosperity, and and the destiny that God has authored for you as an individual. Each and every one of you, God has authored a destiny for your life that you should be able to look back in a couple of years and say, you know, I have, I may not be there yet, but I have gone down the road a little ways. You can tell when you're on a journey. Paul described it like this. We go from what? Faith to faith. And we go from what? Glory to glory. We don't go from one need to the next, from one calamity to the next, from one trial to the next. And so many people are conditioned by their problems that that's the only time they ever use their faith. Well, it's ridiculous to think you have to use your faith to defeat an already defeated foe or to receive something that God's already given you through redemption. 
Your faith is designed to create a life and lifestyle for you that gives glory to God that when people look at your life, they say, where did they come up with that? How did they come up with that? That couldn't be them. That's got to be God. I used to know them. Now I don't recognize them. So he is what? The author and the finisher of our faith. It took faith for Saul of Tarsus to become the Apostle Paul. It took faith, all of the, the great men of our previous generation, the Brother Hagans, the Brother Osteens, the T.L. Osbers, the Oral Roberts. It took faith to go from sick children, because most of them, that's how they started out. Brother Summerall, tuberculosis, dying at age 17. Oral Roberts, tuberculosis, dying at age 17. Brother Hagan, uh, incurable blood disease, paralysis, deformed heart, dying. Are you with me? And it took faith to go from where they were to where they got to before they went to heaven. God authored it and finished it. And it took them a lifetime to walk it out. Now, that may be more of an exposed life and lifestyle that we were able to view, but there are others that God has authored and finished. Businesses, amen? Uh, just, just people that have worked a job and raised a family and stayed in church and stayed full of the Holy Ghost and went on mission trips and supported missionaries and taught Sunday school classes for years and influenced kids and did all kinds of great things, but there was no spotlight upon them, but they're just as valuable to God. And because of that, they found a value in themselves and they served God all the days of their life with satisfaction. I'm always amazed, especially at young preachers that want to be, quote, like someone else. That's the greatest testimony to insecurity that there is. You don't need to be Benny Hinn. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. We already got one. And God doesn't use a cookie cutter. You say, what do you mean? That means there's not two. There's not two. Don't need another Rusty Martin. You say, well, we got one. God doesn't use a cookie cutter. That means there's not two. What we need is you to be what God has called you to be. And if we can get God, if we can get you to be what God has called you to be, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to fit in the body. Isn't it amazing how, how, how we're referred to as the body of Christ, like the human body is our human body? It's, it's I can that finger there, I don't know if you can see it. That finger there, I cut that, that end, that kind of, I don't know if it's fat or meat or or whatever it is. Years ago, I had come in from duck hunting, and my routine back then is I'd come in, and I'd, I'd bathe my old chocolate lab, and then Leah had a business at the time. This was back in the early 90s, and I'd go, I'd go, we'd go take a nap on the bed and wait for her to get in. We're in there sleeping. Leah comes in. We're supposed to go to dinner with some people. She said, you got some ducks hanging up out in the garage. You, you better get. So I'm in a hurry, half asleep, and I had a pair of game shears, and I clipped. You can, I don't know if you can see that or not, but I clipped that right. I mean, I just clipped it and fell on the floor. With a, pair of, with a pair of game shears. Now, I've never given any attention to that piece of skin right there. I've bought shoes for my feet. I've bought pants for my legs. I've bought shirts and coats for my arms. I've bought hats for my head. I've bought glasses for my eyes. I've bought watches for my wrist and rings for my finger. Never did anything for that guy.
He just wasn't that valuable to me. Took him for granted all those years. I guess I was in my early 40s. Took him for granted all those years until I lost him. I lost him. He's gone. And it was painful. I think it was, I think it was uh, 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 Misty came over. Took her 20 minutes to stop the blood. What I was amazed at, though, is the reaction of my body. Soon as I clipped it off, I was holding a duck. I don't, I don't know if you could envision this. I hold a duck with a breast down with the legs. So I was going to clip off one of its legs. You know, they got those web feet. You can't eat those. So when I clipped it off, it clipped the leg off perfect. But the end just clipped my finger off, you know. So I'm looking at it, but my body immediately began emergency procedures. This hand grabbed it. My mouth screamed, opened, screamed, I've cut my finger off. My feet took off. And my whole body began to give attention to what we thought was not that valuable. What that, that, that part that we never bought in a hat and put a little hat on it. I guess I did put a ring on it, but not up there. There's no ring up there, you know. I cut the fingernail over one. But that part, never no special lotion or nothing, you know. Like, I really dig that. No, no. No attention whatsoever until it was traumatized. And when it was traumatized, it hurt. And I realized it's not good to have that piece cut off and laying on the floor. What was perceived is not valuable. From now on, because of the scar of where it used to be, it's perceived as valuable. Now you know what I do when I clean ducks? I pay attention. Because I don't want no more accidents like that. I learned a lesson and lost some flesh. And the same thing is true of the body of Christ. You think, well, I'm not the mouthpiece and I'm not the feet. And I'm not the hand. I'm just the skin on the bottom of the little toe on the left foot. But if we shave that skin off, the whole body, all the way to the head, will know there's something not right. There's something that's hurting. Amen. And there's something, I don't, better not get into that. If you have a part that doesn't develop or doesn't grow along with the rest of it, that's stifled, then there's what? Dis-ease. Something gets attacked, an organ. All of those things. Paul, that's why we're called the body of Christ. We grow up together in him. He is the author. He is the finner. He is the alpha omega. He which began a good work. In, he will what? He'll complete. He'll do it as individuals and as a church. That's why it's so important to set aside our own ambition, our own desires, our own will, and say, okay, God, I have been born again. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm a brand new creature in Christ. I'm not going to live according to the dictates of my old lifestyle or my human birth. I'm now going to live like the ambassador of Christ you've called, to me, called me to be, and I'll spend my life living in that and right there between the author and finisher. And what? Now, listen, this is the good news. What he authors, he will finish. What he authors, he will finish. And you're going to face some times that may be intimidating. You're going to face some times in which you think that's so impossible. There's no chance. There's no way. But if you will learn to use your what? Faith. He is the author and finisher of your faith. Not of your ambition. Not of your will. Not of your dreams. Not of your desires. 
of your faith, which tells us it's not wrong to have dreams. It's not wrong to have desires. It's not wrong to have any of that unless you don't have any faith. But if your faith is connected to your dreams, if your faith is connected to your desires, and I even go as far as to say if your faith is connected to your ambition, because if your faith is connected to your ambition, God will keep it in order. He'll keep it in the right order. And certainly it needs to be connected to your calling. And certainly without it, you'll have no destiny. But in the midst of it, if you'll say, okay, Lord, I can't do this. This has to be you 100%. And then you have to say, okay, Lord, I, am, I, I like to say it like this. Because a lot of times you hear preaching like this and you go, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I remember when the Lord began to deal with us, especially after you've had some success in spiritual things. Oh, Lord. I don't know if that's as, as good as people think it is. Because when God tries to change that, you're much more resistant. So here we are with many years of success in spiritual things when it came to field ministry. And then God wants to change that by us starting a church. And I'm like, oh, no. And I knew he was authoring. So one day, I'm going to tell you what got me over the hump. God was doing all kinds of supernatural things to show us, this is God, this is God, this is God. But I did not change, and my heart did not change. Because let me, you want me to tell you the truth? I'll tell you the honest truth for both of us. I was not willing. Leah was not willing. Neither one of us. When we knew that we knew that we knew that God was telling us to leave the field and start a church, we were not willing. So here's what we did. We prayed this prayer. Lord, make us willing to be willing. Because we ain't willing. We're not willing. But if you will make us willing to be willing, we'll do it. And some of you, that's the prayer you need to pray. Because you're not willing. You know God has something great for you. You know God something has, let me just say it like this. That, that word great may be a, a word we throw around too much. You know God has something different for you. God has something unique for you. And God has something for you that without him it will never happen. And in looking at it, you think, well, really, I don't even know what it is. I just know something's out there. And I'm really not, pastor, I've got I've got situation at my job and my business and there's this marital situation. I got the, the doctors have said this, and I've got to. Well, if I can get all this stuff fixed up, then we'll talk about the will of God. That'd be a great thing. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, just as you are, just like when you got saved, you go to God and you say, "Okay, Lord, I know there's something. I might not even know anything about it. I just know there's this thing out there. It keeps pulling me toward it, and every time it pulls me toward it, a step I back up to." And even though I get a prayer answered here and healed here and healed there, this thing just keeps and I won't let go. That's the author. That's the author. And you say this, okay, I don't want to mess with it. I'm not willing. The fear of the unknown is one of the greatest fears that comes. I mean, Leah and I were looking at each other. Start a church. What does that mean? Is that in the dictionary? Start a church? We've been around pastors for years, and everybody has these supernatural stories, you know, about how we had five people on Tuesday night, and the next week we had 40,000 in the church, you know, and we're like, 
and an angel appeared and waved his hand and the, and the gift of God fell on me. And, and we're like, oh my God, what are we going to do, you know? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all hear those kind of testimonies too. And everybody, then this happened and that happened. Well, I found out a lot of that sometimes is a little evangelistic is a, is a good way to say it, amen. But with really, go read Paul. He says many times, and with fear and trembling and many tears. I never understood that till the paradigm changes started happening and God began to author some new things in our life when we thought we've already got all that taken care of, God. Yeah, we done figured out what we're supposed to do, who we are, where we're going. That's fine. All that other stuff we're getting. God says, no, you don't even have a clue who you are, where you're going to be going or what you're going to be doing. And we're like, yeah, don't we? So we had to pray, Lord, make us willing to be willing. We're not willing and we do not like being in that position with you. We love you. We know you love us. What you're telling us to do is totally impossible. I mean, tell, I remember telling her that. There's no way, no way with the relationships we had, with the church we were going to, with the success we were having in ministry, there's no way we can do this. But who is Jesus? He is the way. He is the one that makes the way where there seems to be no way. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. Father, we bless your name tonight. Lord, let every person in here recognize how very valuable they are to the kingdom of God and how necessary it is for us as a church, for them as individuals, to have them fulfill the calling and destiny of their lives. Father, those that are on the road right now, what I like to call the glory road, bless them, increase them, advance and accelerate them down the road. Others that have not gotten on the path. Lord, let them pray that prayer. To be willing, to be willing for God to bring them into the place He wants them to be. And Lord, those that have gone down the road a little ways, and just like Lee and I had a couple of times, got delayed, got stalled, got detoured. I thank you, Father. They get right back on the road, and you accelerate them and get them right back to the place they're supposed to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you for that, Father. And we agree in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, I was preaching in a camp meeting in 2000. It was a large camp meeting. A lot of people there. And the Holy Ghost was on me. I had given some words to some people. And I just opened my mouth and I said this. Because sometimes when you say things, you know, you're, you edit it with your mind when you shouldn't. This came out of my mouth. In one year's time, the Lord said to me that he would catch me up to the place that I should be when I disobeyed God in the first place and missed out on the will of God for my life for 11 years. Well, I had visions in my head of a new airplane, a bigger business, I mean, a bigger building. We had a building in which we operate, a bigger building, more staff. I had all this. Little did I know that in a year's time, I wouldn't even be in the field ministry any longer. I'd be starting a church 2002, February 2002. We started Island Church. So November of 2001, we were just a few months from starting on. I thought to myself, man, did I get that wrong? And then God reminded me, no, no. He said, that's exactly where I wanted you to end up. When you were 17 years old and I spoke to you about teaching the Word of God, I wanted your life to end up on the sec first uh, uh, Sunday of 2002, I wanted you starting a church on Galveston Island. Now you have caught up 
It took you all those years. It took you 18 years on the field, Bible school, teaching all those years. Now you finally ended up the place I wanted you to be after all those years. I went, whoa. Well, God says he'll do the same thing. He'll catch you up. If you've lagged behind, he'll catch you up. Amen. That's why, that's why I never get out in front of God. Because it's easier to play catch up than it is to get out in front of God and get yourself in trouble and hurt yourself when you can't work to, to the point you can't recover yourself. Amen. So God is good and God loves you. Pray. Study the Word of God. Come to church. Be around people. See, if you get around people, isn't it amazing when Mary found out she was pregnant with Jesus, who she ran to? She ran to Elizabeth. She ran to another person who was pregnant with, quote, a move of God. Get around people that, that want, desire the move. So I, I, I'm very careful about the preachers I hang around. There are a lot of old preachers out there that are just mad and mean and disgusted. But others have a real vision, a real, they know God's doing something. They want to be a part of it. That's who I like to hang around with. Be like that in your life. And I guarantee you, you'll look back in a few years and you'll say, man, look what God's done. He's authored something great in my life. Not that I'm great, but he's great. And I guarantee you, it'll be the most wonderful life you could ever come up with for yourself. You could not come up with a better life than what God has for you to live. Amen? Stand on your feet. Father, thank you so much tonight for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and light. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 7.30. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.